your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. It's going to be kind of depressing <laughs> because it's not Friday. It's not. And y'all have, we all have to go to work tomorrow. Yep. Except in that one country where they're doing four-day work weeks. where I don't remember where that is. Denmark or something like that, probably. We could do that. We should start doing that. I don't know why we aren't pitchforks and torches about four-day work weeks. Like, what are we doing? Like, yeah. Are we going to be mad about... Um, why are we pitchforks and torches again? Why Tim Michaels? Wants- Tim Michaels, because oh, there journalism. was... Uh, there was a Milwaukee Journal Sentinel report on his foundation's giving... And he was unhappy with the report and said, we need to get our pitchforks and torches out and march on the streets to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I mean, if, if Tony Evers or Tim Michaels ran on pitchforks and torches <laughs> for a four-day work week, I mean, would, would he not, wouldn't they not be a landslide win for governor? Uh, well, we're quite quitting. If we're doing, <laughs> yeah. if we're trying to get a four-day work week, we're quite quitting. But why... <laughs> who would who would be opposed? How would how would we uh, you know b- partisan politic oppose? Governor Evers comes out with a plan for a four day work week, and then Republicans are like, no, because they were like, we got to support small bit. I don't know. That, I guess that's how that would work. And then you know, in the hiring crunch, Rick, there seems to be a trend towards offering the four day work week because employers are having so much trouble finding workers. Again, as we've talked about, not because people are quiet quitting, not because people don't want to work anymore, but there just aren't that many people working uh, who, who are looking for work. There aren't that many people who are in the workforce and are out of a job. So the labor market's really tight. I think offering a four-day work week, that could be a smart plan to attract some new employees. Yeah, that would be a like it would be weird not to do the show on Friday though. No, I would we would cancel Monday. Like this is what I say all the time. We would get rid of Monday as part of the work week. Right. We definitely Tuesday would become the new Monday. Right. And Monday would become the new Sunday and then therefore we'd be all kind of like depressed and sad on Sunday and like I got to go to work tomorrow because that's how I am on a Sunday. I don't know if that's how what well, well you're a teacher so yeah. you don't even work. Yeah, I don't even really do anything. <laughs> no, well Eagle Fest tomorrow. That's why I'm here today. Yeah. Because Eagle Fest at UW-Lacrosse is tomorrow during this show. And it's a fun event for students. We've got live music. I am manning the political science department table, which will feature political science trivia. And essentially, we just give students hints about the answers until they get the answer right. Also, nobody shows up at that table. <laughs> that table is completely ignored the whole time. Uh, um, how many people, uh, like, are, are there a bunch of you sitting around there? Or do you well, take here, shifts? Here's the deal, Rick. We have the trivia master in d- doing the uh, ceremonies for us. We have Tim Dale, who does Trivia Night at Java Vino and Root Note. Oh. And he's a professor in political science, and he is doing the political science trivia. So we've got a pro at this. Now, do do students win prizes? for? Yes, getting- we have prizes. Do you have to be a student? Well... If you saw this short, old, white-haired guy w- waddle <laughs> up over there... 
uh, otherwise known as Brad Williams, who can, who consistently just answers every because Brad will go. I I believe Brad goes to Tim's trivia's sometimes. Yeah, uh, Brad hits up some of these trivia's because he's you know the human Google and anyone that gets Brad's on their team wins trivia. So Brad's you know at the end of the day hoarding all the prizes that the political science department. Gave I want out. Brad to try to dress up as a college student to try to blend in a little bit with the crowd at Eagle Fest. That's like a, this is the second mention of 30 Rock I had today because I was on this morning but 30 Rock they uh they do the thing where where the guy goes under Tim Buscemi Steve Buscemi, Steve Buscemi yeah. he goes undercover as a high school yeah. student. <laughs> But he's Steve Buscemi, right? Yeah. Like he's a fifty-year-old, but he's got the hat on and the hoodie and stuff. Anyway, that's UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Chergoski uh, is going to stick with us this hour uh, next because next, you know, like you just said, you won't be here tomorrow. So I have a special guest coming on tomorrow. Ooh, uh, it might it might not be all that special, but <laughs> I'll pretend that he's William Garcia is special. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go. Let's let's take a break here, and we, well, let's just do a rundown quick. Um, can we can we dissect Mar-a-Lago? I mentioned I hinted at this this morning. I don't Mar-a-Lago. How do you even the Mar-a-Lago quote unquote raid of the FBI uh, from the FBI into secret documents, top secret documents that Donald Trump may or may not have spewed all over the floor? Uh, you know, according to Trump, that's the only thing he's worried about. They weren't spewed on the floor. I had kept them neat in my office. Oh, you so you did have them. It's a fascinating so. example of how Trump is so worried about appearances because yeah. his main objection to the court filing by the Department of Justice was how the documents were laid out in the photo, how it seemed like he had really been messy in how he arranged the documents. I will say that if anybody took a picture of my house during tax season— <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly how my floor looked because I had to like find a particular tax document. Um, and so I literally like was laying them out all over the floor. So uh, not out of the question that that would happen, but it is funny. Um, any OK, so um, what else could we get into? Apparently, we're already running. Uh, you know, we haven't gotten to the 2022 midterms, so, but we're going to 2023 already. Um, in what I think will be a billion-dollar race for a Supreme Court judge in Wisconsin. Rick, we've talked about how the campaign never, ever, ever ends in the United States. The campaign is always going on, and that's exactly the case for the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. There is a pivotal election next spring in 2023 for the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. It will determine the ideological balance of the court. Right now, it's 4-3 to three in favor of conservatives, but there's a conservative judge retiring. So whoever replaces that judge will have an effect on the ideological balance. If the liberals can flip that seat, then the liberals will have a four to three majority. If the conservatives can win that seat, they will maintain their conservative four to three majority. Today, we found out that former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Dan Kelly, he served for four years before he lost in 2020. He announced today that he will run for that seat. There are already two more liberal-aligned justices in the race. So it's the classic example of how we never stop campaigning in this country. 2022 election hasn't even happened yet. We're already gearing up for 2023. I mean, I'm, I'm being a little bit exaggeration, a little exaggeration, a billion dollars, but this, this could be the most expensive of all the races, even like governor's race or anything, because the, 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 as we see with the U.S. Supreme Court, these, these judges decide just about everything when it comes down to 
because it always ends up it always ends up there. Absolutely, Rick. When you have a dysfunctional relationship between the governor and the legislature, as we do in Wisconsin, a lot of problems and a lot of conflicts get resolved by the courts. It massively empowers the courts when you have complete dysfunction between the governor and the legislature. So the courts have to resolve all kinds of conflicts, all kinds of problems, and that really empowers the courts. Plus, you've got all these issues related to elections, gerrymandering, abortion, all of it hanging in the balance potentially given the result of this election in 2023 i'm saying billion dollars could be i'm saying it right now all right we gotta take a break all right welcome back to lacrosse talk pm 608-785-7914 almost forgot the number there uw lacrosse political science professor dr anthony chagoski in here uh, a day early because he's got stuff going on tomorrow happy thursday rick thursday yeah uh, go go harass him tomorrow at the political science table at the Eagle Fest on campus tomorrow. Um, all right, so we talked a little bit about the Wisconsin Supreme Court race, which is, a, you know, maybe there should be a media blackout on stuff. While we talk about, like, candidates should only get to, ca- to campaign maybe, what, six months, three months before they go to – the people go to the polls – Media can't talk about races that are a year and a half or what? Two, what are we? Two years out for that race? It'll be an April election, would it not be? It would, and we also have this situation where Donald Trump may well declare his run for 2024 oh, before the 2022 elections even happen. It's something that really sets the United States apart from a lot of other democracies. Just how our campaigns never, ever, ever end. We have seemingly endless campaigns in this country and like you said rick other countries do have limits on how long the campaign will occur they have limits on the length of campaigning and the types of activities you can engage in during certain times we don't have any of that in the united states why wouldn't we do that as a government as a even like it's statewide do it is it because you know that would just be a little easier on you guys in that are running the government. It's always funny because you uh, you want the rule makers to make rules on themselves, but they're not going to make rules like Congress passed something that says you can't trade stocks because you know all the insider information. Yeah, but well, you know what? We don't have to because you know we make the rules and we get rich off those, so we're not going to make that rule. It's a great example, Rick, of how members of Congress maybe campaign on certain issues and then take a little bit of a different tune once they get in office. Another example that comes to mind is term limits. So many candidates for Congress campaign on term limits, and then it never happens. Ron Johnson. (laughs) Excuse me. No, yeah, I mean, it's a great example. Lots. It it is so common for politicians to campaign on term limits and then change their tune. Ron Johnson didn't campaign on term limits. He campaigned on he was only going to run. Self-imposed. Self, yeah, he was going to campaign. He's only going to run a couple of terms. Um, what else? Okay, so we, I did, I did hint this morning that, and I did, I think I did it last week too, a little bit. We brought up Mar-a-Lago, FBI, top secret document documents, Donald Trump, this unprecedented president that we had that continues to, you know, eat up. I, you know, is like part of this is just that everybody in the nation is so. Like he's so his he's so much gravity to him, everything he does, and the media jumps on it because it's ratings, 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 because we have twenty four hour news cycles. But also 
the thing that that there that he could be accused of, like if he's had or has or gave away nuclear documents, you know, I, I'm, I will say I'm not. You're studying this stuff with probably a fever that I'm just like I, I'm hands off because it doesn't affect me in any way. Like whether Trump goes to jail for doing the thing or he doesn't go to jail for doing the thing, it really isn't going to affect me all that much. Though I guess he's running president he might so but i don't know can, is there a way to explain what is happening and uh you know i give you i gave you uh seven minutes but before <laughs> and we could talk about after the break but is there a way to succinctly explain what has happened so far sure so the fbi seized a number of classified documents from mar-a-lago there's talk about how secure these documents were the fbi had concerns about how secure they were there were some really sensitive documents so sensitive that even senior defense officials didn't have the clearances and the permission to view those documents. So there was extraordinarily sensitive and private and potentially dangerous if it got out information. It's quite interesting, Rick. When the search first happened, we saw Republicans really rally around Donald Trump. We saw Republicans really circle around Donald Trump, defending him, going after the FBI. As more information has come out, Republicans have gotten a little bit quieter because we have seen some of the information about just how much classified information was at Mar-a-Lago, some of the issues about the empty folders and where did the things in those empty folders that are marked classified, top secret, etc., where did that go? Yeah, like 24 empty folders or something like that. Yeah. I I mean, a big question is why, right? Like, why did Donald Trump do this it's not exactly clear and that's the hardest thing in talking about this because it's like why did because donald trump plays the fool i think like he like he does a lot of stupid things and you're just like wow that was you're really are you really just like old senile old man like we say the the same thing about joe biden right like these old senile and then also very maybe he's and then if you're you're a QAnon person like everything he does is calculated he has a he has a plan behind everything he does, including like when he two-handed sips a glass of water or something, or he can't walk down the stairs, or uh, makes Joe Biden fall off a bike. Um, so he's either a fool or he's calculated. But like this stuff seems pretty calculated, and then and then he loses the papers, like or or that he gave them away. <laughs> but we don't know this stuff. Rick, what is so interesting about this is that people can fill in the blanks with their own desired version of reality. That's exactly what we saw. When the when the search first happened, a lot of people were filling in details on their own without knowing the full story. That happens all the time in Which politics. Which is why I don't want to talk about it until, you know, it's been a couple of weeks now, but it's still kind of gray the area to talk about that's what makes this so challenging because there's a lot of unknown information as we mentioned some of this information that was seized was so classified that even high-ranking defense officials did not have the permission to view it it is weird to have classified documents that only one person can see exactly (laughs) exactly exactly and information related to like spies around the world and we saw that there's information related to the new nuclear programs of allies. So extraordinarily sensitive information. And how secure was it? Why did Donald Trump have it? There's so much that's not 
answered here, but it allows partisans to fill in the blanks. It allows people to fill in the unknowns with a version of events that makes Donald Trump look good or look bad. That's what happens when you have a lot of unknowns. People can kind of let their imagination run wild and make things look the way they want them to. That's the danger in not having a lot of information out about this. I mean, I understand the need for secrecy, but I do think transparency is important here because when you don't have transparency, people's imaginations start to run wild. People start to say things that are irresponsible. People start to say things that end up not being true because they want certain things to be true that end up not being true. So I think transparency is really important here. But again, the transparency is limited because some of these documents are so extraordinarily sensitive. And then and then we have apparently two sides we have donald trump and then he's pointing the finger at the fbi for doing the bad thing and the fbi is like you literally are doing the bad like this is we asked you for these documents a long time ago why like why are they there in the first place um and then the excuses right the like hierarchy of excuses that come from the president as to i didn't have the documents i you know i declassified the documents i did have the documents and now it's like i didn't put them on the floor even though that's clearly like a way that, you know, the, the, the weird way that the FBI decided we're going to take a picture. We're going to take a picture. We're going to spread them out on the floor and take a picture. Here. Yeah. Like Bill Barr, the attorney general under President Trump said, if President Trump sort of just like waved his hand over the documents and said, I hereby declassify them. Like that's not how it works. So Bill Barr, I thought, made a really good point that presidents can't just say, aha, I declassify this. I mean, presidents do have the authority to classify th- declassify things, but as Bill Barr has said, there's a certain responsibility There's probably involved. some paperwork. There's probably some paperwork, right? Also, it is funny, too, because now it, the, the, like Democrats and, and liberal groups and anti-Trump groups latch on to what Bill Barr has said. Exactly. When, you know, up until last week, Bill Barr was a, you know, just evil, essentially part of the, you know, the Trump organization. Um, what was the, the, the Bill Barr hid? You know, he put out a statement. What was the big thing? Like the the big the the big investigation. He Trump's said that the election was legitimate. No, before that, we impeached Trump because after the the guy. Oh, that's the, right. The, what's that guy? Yeah. Mueller, the Mueller yeah. report. Right. And then Bill Barr put out his own like false falsified uh, re, not even redaction, but his statement on what the Mueller report represented. And that wasn't it at all. That's right. Bill Barr had really stood up strong for President Trump for a long time. And at the end, he started to turn because Bill Barr said, look, there's nothing to these claims that the election was stolen. Bill Barr said that Joe Biden won the election fair right. and square. He was also, as we talked about, very critical of Donald Trump's handling of these classified documents but that's fired bill barr that's fired <laughs> right. bill barr yeah turns out that your job status can have a lot of uh effect on your attitude towards the president yeah and bill barr was secretary of state uh, attorney general attorney general and multiple one of multiple donald trump attorney generals yep. right yep because he fires those people like that is the thing like right? we have that problem with wisconsin right we don't confirm these people right and therefore at any point in time we can just go eh, you're out and we want a new guy in so um, all right, we've got to take a break. Scott's comment coming up. Brad doing the news. We'll return with, with UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Tregoski. 
this one, all right? Ah, it's all right. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914. UW Lacrosse political science professor Anthony Chagoski, PhD, is in here. Um, the only thing we didn't talk about, I mean, there's probably a hundred things we could talk about with the Trump Mar-a-Lago FBI top secret documents raid, not raid, um, is special master. So a special master has been a judge ruled that, that like somebody's got to go and look at all the documents to make sure there's no attorney client privilege to make sure that I don't know, to make sure they're not top secret or they they are top secret. Sure. To resolve disagreements between the Department of Justice and Trump and his legal team. What documents can and can't be used against Donald Trump with what the FBI or what, whoever is, is accusing Trump of doing the thing. Um, the special master, the, the judge that did this is a Trump appointed judge. Yep. And there's a lot of like problems with how the, that judge decided to, to, to declare that we need a special master, right? Yeah. Her ruling has come under criticism. The thing about judges though, Rick, is that there's not a lot you can do if you disagree with them. The department of justice has appealed this ruling the thing about judges, though, in the United States, they can serve until they die or voluntarily retire. We need another way to pick judges, right? Like we gotta, we gotta eliminate Congress and partisanship from picking all this stuff. Like this is get, it's getting out of hand from from gerrymandering, where we get the winning party gets to draw the lines that gets the directly affect how they're voted for or against to uh, you know the the winning party and the Senate, right, deciding what judges to appoint all across the country. Uh, And we see both parties take advantage of that, depending on when they're in power. Absolutely, Rick. I think one proposal that has really caught on with the public is to have term limits for judges to limit how long they can serve. There has been a lot of talk on the left among kind of liberal Democrats about expanding the Supreme Court. That has enjoyed a bit of support among the most liberal elements of the Democratic Party, but it does not enjoy widespread public support. A proposal that does have bipartisan support when you look at the polls is to put term limits on judges because judges are serving for a really long time. What presidents do is they find young judges to nominate healthy healthy ones healthy young judges (laughs) who are in their 30s so they can serve until they're in their 70s so they can serve for like 30 or 40 years 70s what are you talking about how like 90s until their 90s in the case of like ruth bader until they literally die yeah like like it doesn't make any sense i i think this is very different than how the system was designed because when the system was designed people just didn't live that long now people are living longer and presidents are strategically nominating people as young as possible well, so they can stay on that bench for as long as they can until they die and not only that as they're they're somehow coercing these judges to retire and then appointing these 30 year olds so like however because the there's a certain amount of pride and power in being a Supreme Court judge, right? Like to get one to retire is pretty ridiculous. Uh, not ridiculous, but like must take a who knows what's going on behind the scenes to get a judge to retire. But we saw Trump and Biden both get a judge to retire, right? I believe I believe Trump had well two died, right? Like two of the right. judges died under uh, 
allowing Trump to appoint, but I thought one one retired. Anthony Kennedy retired, and he did what we call a strategic retirement, meaning that he wanted Donald Trump to appoint his replacement. Right. So he voluntarily stepped aside. Stephen Breyer did the same thing with Joe Biden. It took a lot of work, a lot of pressure by the Democrats to get Stephen Breyer to retire. These Supreme Court justices have massive egos. What You mean... And you you just said it took a lot of work, but you mean, quote unquote, work like God knows what, like what kind of things happen? I have no idea. Like, does he get a new like a new Mercedes Benz or something? The, like, what are we doing? The word gentlemen? was that they used social pressure against him. Yeah. They were able to get his social circles like these elite legal circles to try to turn on him. And that's really one of the only pressure points that these judges have. Their pride, as you mentioned, because they can't be removed from office unless they're truly extraordinary circumstances. And I think that's why the idea of term limits has really caught on. Is that a constitutional thing, though, that it would take it would take like a lot of work in the maybe, maybe not. It's not exactly clear to me. I do think there are some potential workarounds. It's not totally obvious to me how it would work, but I do think there is reform needed when it comes to the courts. What happens when workarounds happen to impose term limits on a U.S. Supreme Court? And then that goes to court and the U.S. Supreme Court, because they never recuse themselves from, you know, they never do that. Like Clarence Thomas's wife is involved in the January 6th insurrection in some way, shape or form, emailing key government officials in Wisconsin. And then Clarence Thomas doesn't recuse himself from deciding stuff when you're. Apparently, it appears that you're a little compromised. It was one of the really interesting stories that came out recently regarding the January 6th investigation that Ginny Thomas, Justice Clarence Thomas's wife, was emailing key lawmakers in Wisconsin trying to get them to overturn the election result for president in 2020. And one someone put it this way. Uh, this is someone with an Internet connection and too much time on her hands. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, and then a U.S. Supreme Court's year, um, you know, 24 hours a day, essentially. Like, yeah. Like uh, everybody out there who's got a wife that wants that tells you what to do. How many of you how many of the men out there kind of you know, I better listen to the wife? Otherwise, it's <laughs> trouble on the home front. Right. Like, so not that I would me. know anything about that. Yeah, so you can't tell me that, that she isn't influencing what's going on. Uh, but this judge that's decided to, hey, uh, I don't, you know, one side, Donald Trump's team appoint a special master to review the documents. Uh, FBI or government team appoint some, a special master. And then you have to come to an agreement. The stupidest thing ever. You guys come to an agreement on who should be the special master. I read I read some like funny ones like Hillary Clinton should be the special master. How funny <laughs> would that be? But the Trump team would never, of course, agree to that. And if they don't agree to it, then the Trump appointed judge decides who the special master is. And, gee, I wonder who she'll take. This is all about getting uh, this is definitely getting hung up in the courts, Rick. I don't know what's going to happen for a number of reasons. First of all, this battle over the special master is definitely going to get hung up in the courts. I don't know how it's going to turn out. Secondly, you might have Donald Trump just announced for president literally any day. And then that 
puts the brakes immediately on any Department of Justice inquiry. Because it affects the election? Because it affects the election. Oh, gee. Yep. And so that would immediately halt anything that the Department of Justice is doing when someone announces for president. It's something that Donald Trump might do. There's been a lot of talk about this. Rick, it's one thing that makes this midterm election cycle different than really any that I'm aware of. It's usually just an up or down vote on the president, right? That Joe Biden, you like him, you don't like him. And that's what decides the midterm election, how popular Joe Biden is. But we have never had someone who has been in the news as a former president like Donald Trump has, dominating the conversation within his party, even after he's left office, being in the news so much. That really shakes up the midterm election. You add on the abortion ruling, that has had a major effect on the election. We've seen voter registration patterns shift after the abortion ruling by the Supreme Court. So for any number of reasons, this is a really odd midterm election. Sure, you have an unpopular president in Joe Biden. That hurts the Democrats. But you have Donald Trump, who is all over the news, and you also have this abortion ruling. It makes for a really unpredictable 2022 election. The idea that if Donald Trump runs – like this is hypocritical, right? Because we hated the FBI – for coming out on uh, having a stance on something right during Hillary Clinton's election. I can't even remember. what. Yeah. So during the 2016 election, it was announced that the FBI was reopening the investigation into Hillary Clinton's emails that happened right before the election. And there is research that shows that it had an effect on the election. That was a really interesting time because that was it was a timeline of crazy news that included the grab him by the bleep tape that came out like that came out. And I think right after that, like within like a 16, 24 hour period, all these like things, I'm keeping this in my pocket to, to, you know, to change the election when people go to vote and then everybody played their hand, right? Like, Oh, you have this card ACE, no double ACE, triple, you know, like I obviously it was a terrible analogy with cards there, but um, yeah, we just, everyone played their cards like, and every card was a little bit bigger than the next. Per se, I would say, because I don't know about like the her emails like we're still doing that. And then we look back and we're like, "Mm, yeah, emails, whatever. Like, we don't care about that now. We don't care about I mean, literally her his top secret documents. We should be doing that right now. But the FBI now is saying "Eh," like it sounds like you're saying the FBI might not might halt this whole thing. Uh, And we, we didn't like that, that they didn't halt it in 2016. But now we want the FBI to keep going on this. So isn't it funny, Rick, how Republicans love the FBI. Democrats hated the FBI in 2016. Now Democrats love the FBI. Republicans hate the FBI. Now that the tables have turned, the tables have turned, but also like the thing that's on the table, are they different? different. Are they different? Because her emails, private email server, uh, weren't top secret documents from what I read. And then these are literally like things that only like, a couple people in the world gets to see. Exactly. The question is, what is being possessed by Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump? How secure is it? And what should be done given the materials that they have and how secure it is? This whole idea that we can't investigate uh, certain people because because of their power is ridiculous, too. Like, if... If Hillary Clinton did something, she was never president, so it's different, 
right? But if Donald Trump did something, if Joe Biden's doing something, then investigate him for for the thing. But also, like the the with the twenty four hour media cycle, and we need something to talk about. Th- different things get hijacked, and we try to put like Hunter Biden on par with top secret nuclear documents. Like those things are the same in some people's world. One of the many investigations that Republicans have teed up if they take the majority in the House, lots of investigations on deck that the House Republicans are going to be doing. That they say they're going. That to they be say doing. they're going to be doing. Because- because I'm still waiting for the investigation of a small business in downtown La Crosse that was apparently turning tricks and it was a building owned by Ron Kine. So where is that investigation? You know, they love to say this stuff, but uh, and then, oh, we're just uh, we just wanted to use that. And Rick, it really is a lot of political theater. Many of these investigations tend to be political theater. They are meant to provide clips for cable news and social media that partisans can latch on to and share and get outraged over. So that's what we're going to see a lot of. We're not going to see a lot of like investigations that lead to serious reform. We're going to see a lot of investigations that are really made for TV. That's pretty much what Congress does at this point. As a, as a guy growing up in sports and just being obsessed with sports for a long time in my life, there is like, there's pages, there's websites, basketball reference, football reference.com. You can look up every game, every shot, every analytical data, piece of data about a player. You can go find it online. It would be funny if we did that for politicians and then just like advertising money. And I'm sure there's different ways. But how about a new stat amount of podcast time or <laughs> radio time or TV interview time? Because I think maybe like who would be the leader amongst like the Senate or the House in terms of like this is how much airtime this person is not just getting but giving like Ted Cruz sits down for an hour long podcast. So he's up to 60 minutes and then Ted Cruz is over on Fox News for a 15-minute segment. And then he's on, you know, OAN or whatever. Ted Cruz is leading Senate by 7,000 minutes in, in on-air time. And it's like, dude, do you have a job or do you just do podcasts all day? It is crazy how podcasting, social media, and cable news have transformed Congress. Rick, it used to be looked down upon if you sought out media attention. If you were a member of Congress who wanted a lot of media attention, you were an outcast. You were looked down upon as someone who was unserious. Now it seems the main goal of most members of Congress is to become a social media celebrity, a cable news celebrity, and a podcaster. Who would be leading... Wisconsin and podcast media uh, exposure among political science professors. Ooh, I Would don't you know. Be up there, yeah. Man. I mean, you're getting an hour every every week. <laughs> <laughs> you're, getting, you're 60 minutes a week. Who, who else is getting that? UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Tregowski leading Wisconsin in podcast uh, <laughs> and airtime minutes, radio minutes, TV minutes. Uh, we'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Just a couple of minutes here, wrap up uh, an early edition of Chergoski Friday <laughs> on a Thursday. As he on a Thursday, he's uh, doing. You're going to be out at UWL's Eagle Fest first week of class at UW Lacrosse, celebrating our largest first year 
class of students ever. And yeah, Eagle Fest, it's a really cool event. Second year we're doing this. It's an event where we kind of have a festival for the students. I feel like, was Tommy here last year to, to kick off Eagle Fest? He was. I feel like there's a picture of him like pointing. And- yeah, he was here to promote the vaccinations and promote the COVID measures and, and did a really good job with that, I thought. Will the new U of system president be here tomorrow? I, that I don't know. I know that actually one of our math professors is in a 80s, 90s, and 2000s cover band and is one of the musical acts for Eagle Fest tomorrow. Oh, that's a that's a, a wide range of... Uh, it is. A, that's quite... Yeah, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. But I guess once you know music, you know music. Sure. That's like reading, I suppose, to being able to play some of that stuff. Um, looking at your list of things here, we just have a minute, but I wanted, I wanted to bring this up. Pumpkin spice apparently getting added to the Webster or no Merriam yeah Merriam I guess what we we combine Merriam Webster dictionary we've pumpkin yeah. spice as a phrase is now a word you know we have 370 new words and phrases that the dictionary has added one of them is pumpkin spice so if you ever need to look that up in the dictionary you are good to go it is Rick pumpkin spice season already in fact it has been pumpkin spice season for about a week and a half to my knowledge Wait, there, we kick it off there's an official date for pumpkin spice it was you know it's you know how christmas decorations and christmas items come out earlier and earlier in the stores mm-hmm. i think it's the same with pumpkin spice my wife loves pumpkin spice it was in the cafes and the coffee shops in late august i feel like it you gotta wait until september at least yeah i feel like the leaves have to change color exactly. and you can't just pick that one tree leaves are changing color pumpkin spice no yeah it's got to be like <laughs> generally the the entire woods has got to start changing um also like if a wife or a girlfriend came out anti-pumpkin spice they would you know probably be banned from society oh yeah all right i'll be back uh tomorrow morning Trigoski will be at eagle fest tomorrow yeah uh thanks a lot for joining thank me. you later